Hello and welcome into another edition of your favorite podcast. A lot of us went through a lot of heartbreak this weekend when the NFL Conference Championship Games came to an end. And now we've only got one more game left of the 2023-2024 season. Man, what a ride. Really though, uh, these are the two teams that were pretty much expected to make it this far. So... A lot to break down in these games, Uh, a lot that went wrong for both of these losing teams and even some of the winning teams, but they found out, uh, they found a way to get back on track in the game. So I'm going to be breaking all that down and more, plus some NBA news, uh, some scoring going on in the NBA and some opt-outs as well. And then we got the AT&T Pebble Beach golf tournament coming up this week so before we get started make sure to follow the podcast on any platform any streaming service literally anywhere you get your podcast at burgers and brats and stay up to date with laces on twitter instagram and youtube at burgers and brats and check out the podcast website burgersbratspodcast.com so let's start first with the ravens and the chiefs game now, Baltimore was a four-point favorite in this one, uh, three-and-a-half, four-point favorite, and uh, that's a lot to give uh, to go against the defending champions. And, I mean, you can arguably say the the greatest of all-time quarterback with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he has done way more. I mean, he's been to the Super Bowl, what, Super Bowl four out of the last six years, and he's been to the AFC Championship game. Say every year he has started, so since 2018, that is just remarkable stuff. But I mean, does he get there without some officiating help? And I mean, you have to have a great head coach. You have to have players on all on at every position all around you, and he's had that. But he is also one hell of a quarterback. And that game was more lost by the Ravens than won by the Chiefs. That was just an embarrassment of football. From what I saw from Baltimore, uh, Todd Munkin and just the whole coaching staff going away from their true identity at the Ravens as a rushing team. Baltimore is the number one rushing offense by far in the whole the whole season, and you're going against the number 28, 27 rushing defense in the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that got lit up the week before in Buffalo with their rushing attack. I mean, Buffalo ran all over them. And you decide to run the ball 16 times, eight of them to your running backs, eight of them eight of them by Lamar. 16 total rushes and only eight handoffs to your running backs. That you should be fired for that. And you cost your team a Super Bowl a trip to the Super Bowl. That just embarrassing. It it didn't make sense. It was a one-score game for most of the game. I mean, Kansas City went up 17-7 to with about a minute and a half, maybe a little longer left in the first half. But, I mean, it's a one-score game. You're not running the ball, and it's raining. So why are you giving, putting the ball in Lamar's hands to throw in the pouring rain when they do not have a great skill set of receivers? Lamar Jackson, hell of a player. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. But to have Lamar throw the ball that many times uh 37 times I, I just don't understand run the football the best rushing attack in the nfl use lamar to run the football just play action run i it, it made no sense to me terrible game plan but also 
when you have chances to to get that close and it they just forced too many bad plays. Lamar just forced way too much. I bad interception at the end, but when you look at it, the reason this was is because the time of possession. I mean, Kansas City had the ball for 37 total minutes. Baltimore for 22, obviously. Um, when you're on the sideline for that long and you don't think your defense can get you the ball back, you've got to force things, which you didn't need to do because it was a one-score game most of the game. Baltimore should have ran away the, with this game. Uh, they should have at least kept got it. They should have been at least up late in the fourth quarter. But once again as well, I can't help but notice that officiating ex- benefits the Chiefs extremely in these late games, in these major games. I mean, we've seen it time in and time out, time in and time in again. And it, it's, it's, just an, it's just terrible to see. I mean, it, it hurts the game of football. I'm, it just makes you so mad. It, if this Chiefs team would win without at least getting some, most of the benefit, the calls or no calls, the lack of, their, the lack of no calls that they got, uh, that they got to go their way at the end of this game. When the receivers literally tackled in the end zone on the final interception, and you have the tight end get held and tackled on a fourth down play, which was a no call, both no calls, and then you can say something about uh, Odell Beckham getting held in the end zone before the Lamar interception, and not to mention when you see Travis Kelsey pretty much taunting every play but you called on uh, called on the receiver, likely. I understand the taunting penalty. I understand that one. But you got to call it both ways as well. And, I mean, most of those officials probably are going to call it that late in the game. I understand that one. But the no calls, I mean, for the Chiefs, and uh, that did not, I mean, didn't even go the Ravens' way, but should have been called, the, the re- officiating should have been just, Oh, the officials should be fined for that. That's just how bad it was. It, it was just terrible to watch when you feel like a team has to have help, uh, a third party come in and get a win. But um, Lamar, eight rushes, 54 yards. Baltimore, though, I mean, three turnovers. You're going to lose games. One of them should have been called back, but and then you have one where it likely extends the ball and it gets knocked out. Hell of a play by the defense uh, to knock the ball out right before he f- goes into the end zone. So, I mean, props there. You, um, you have that play. should have been, I believe it would have been 14 to 17 at that point. But uh, don't end up getting that. You think the world, world's falling apart and you just have Lamar throw still. Still go with your identity. Baltimore, here's the main thing. Baltimore th- Eight penalties for 95 yards. I mean, I think they had four personal fouls. I get some of them, but um, eight for 95, and then you have Kansas City, three for 30. So, I mean, there's definitely disparity right there. And you could see it. We saw it all over Twitter. It was everyone was upset about how the stripes helped the Chiefs. Uh, Zay Flowers, I mean, or not likely, it wasn't likely, uh, getting the having the ball knocked out. It was Zay Flowers. Uh, Zay Flowers, I mean, MVP for Kansas City. Uh, having that taunting penalty, 
and getting the ball knocked out. So that was a Flowers, not likely uh, in the game. Uh, time of possession just killed them. I mean, they it killed them. Uh, Baltimore outgained Kansas City, 336 yards at 319. Uh, you're not going to win games when you have the ball for 22 minutes. You have to score in every single possession. And Baltimore could have, should have, but they got the ball close. They just... But Lamar just thought I gotta do too much. I gotta get it right here, and he did not need to do that. So, Baltimore, and your eight rushes, your eight running back rushes were five yards per rush. So you run the ball eight times. It's not a not a huge mark, but you're still getting five yards a carry. I mean that that's gonna go down obviously when you get more rushing in, but maybe not. I mean this Chiefs team was the twenty seventh, twenty eighth worst rushing defense in the league, and you run the ball. Uh, that's it. That's eight times. Uh, it, it did not make sense. You had 81 yards. I mean, 81 with the with the rushes by Lamar, too. So, 54 by Lamar. And, oh, it it was a bad game. It, it was a game that just made you go, that was, the, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. You walked away just thinking Baltimore lost that game more than the Chiefs won. And... You hurt for Lamar. I mean, he's got this stigma now where he can't win the he can't win the playoffs. I mean, his two playoff wins now are against Ryan Tannehill and a rookie CJ Stroud. That hurts his that hurts his career. You have to win the big games. This was the best opportunity you had to go to the Super Bowl. I think they I think they got a good opportunity next year. But there are some young teams that are coming up and definitely gonna. Not being one to seed next year, but I mean, could cause a few more losses. You still got to go through KC, maybe Buffalo still, and then uh, maybe the Chargers now with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, the Texans obviously. There's just so many teams in the AFC that are good, and you're gonna have to go through them. It's gonna be tough to do, but uh, I mean, heck of a season for. Baltimore and obviously Kansas City, a team that many, a lot, including myself, counted out before the playoffs start as a team that's not going to go to the Super Bowl. A team that, I mean, almost had a chance of missing out on the playoffs. But the championship DNA in Kansas City and just the will and the the want to, I mean, or the, the know-how to just win these games, even when you know you're when you go in as an underdog in the last two games. I mean, you're three four point underdogs in the last two games, in their road games, which Kansas City has not been on the road a single playoff game besides the Super Bowl in the Mahomes era until this year. It's crazy. I mean, all due respect, props. Give them props for that. that. That's a tough thing to do, to go in I mean, to a Buffalo team that's wanted you for four years now and to go beat them and then go beat the number one seed at home, which uh, we thought most people thought would just dominate the game. But Mahomes is, I mean, you can say, you can you can honestly put him in the go conversation, which sucks. I mean, I'm about to go jump off a cliff because uh, Mahomes now needs just one more win to pass Peyton Manning in for most playoff wins or for more playoff wins so and Mahomes is doing it in 10 fewer playoff games Mahomes is 14 and 3 in the playoffs Peyton Manning was 14 and 13 
Now he's got to pass my goat. My goat is Peyton Manning, and he's about to pass him in possibly Super Bowls and playoff wins. So definitely, definitely hurts uh, me a lot. So Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl fourth time in six years, and I don't see why they stop. I don't see a great young defense. Get some wide receiver core in there, see what Travis Kelsey does. But when you got the power of Taylor Swift and the $331 million she's bringing to the NFL and the Chiefs, you're going to get some calls. Some no calls are going to go your way. And you're going to win because you got the Swifties on on your side. So uh, that's Chiefs and Baltimore. I think Baltimore. I think Baltimore is back next year. But got to get some wide receiving core and God, you can't go away from the game plan in the in the biggest game of Lamar's career. You can't do that. I think Monken should be should have been fired after that game. I mean, should have just been left at the stadium, uh, not able to return to the team this next year. Terrible, terrible. I could have called a better game than that. I, a three year old could have called a better game than that. All right, let's go to the night cap. Uh, San Francisco defeating Detroit, thirty-four to thirty-one. I mean, this was a this was a great game. I, I knew I knew nine or whatever it was, maybe it dropped to six, was way too much for San Francisco to be favored by. I did pick San Fran in this game. Wasn't really sweating it at halftime, being down seventeen points. Uh, I'm pretty sure Dan Campbell would say hit me, even though he had 21 in blackjack. I mean, Dan Campbell could have 21 in blackjack, and he would say hit me. You, I get it. Going for it on fourth down has gotten you to that point in the season. But you have to be smart and take the points. You did it before the halftime. You did it before halftime. You took three points. You should have done it again late in the game, which would have tied the game. And when nothing was going your way, you have to take the points. I get it. The pass was dropped on one of the fourth downs. The other one, Goff just can't hit can't hit his target. But you have to play smart football and get your points when you need. I've said this for years now. Games in the NFL, uh, college even, college not as much, but in the NFL, every point matters because these games end. And three, most of these games are, every single game pretty much is a one-score game. Even the great teams that finish the season as one, two seeds. There are one-score games they win. And three points is a ton in the NFL. That is huge in the NFL. It, it completely changes the game plan. I mean, helps you in the in the long run at the end of the game where maybe instead of touchdown, you just need a field goal to win or hold a team to a hold team. A team has to get a touchdown against you. I mean, it, it's huge. It, it's huge to get those points when you can and he should have done that san francisco incredible second half 27 points in the second half in the first half they only had seven points and 131 total yards a a team teams leading by 17 plus at halftime of the conference championship game were 21 and 0 before this game they're now 21 and 1 when leading at by 17 points at the halftime in the conference championship game. I want to see a lot of love for Brock Purdy. I don't get the hate on Brock Purdy. I get 
They they went from Jimmy G to Brock Purdy. They've had great great all around players around them. But Brock Purdy made those throws. I mean, Brock Purdy was twenty of thirty one, two hundred sixty seven yards, one touchdown, uh, one interception. But uh, I mean, one of those he kind of got hit when he was throwing it. It was a bad pass, anyways, but still got hit. I mean, he had a eight point six yards per per uh, throw average. So. I mean, he's getting the ball a little bit down. He's getting the ball downfield. Uh, he's getting he's getting it downfield. Uh, and his ground game. Did you guys watch Brock Purdy's ground game? Remarkable stuff, what I saw. Uh, let's see. Five attempts, 48 yards, so 9.6 average. He was running the ball when he needed to. I loved it. I loved what I saw from Brock Purdy. Uh, and, I mean, obviously the pass game, but especially the ground game, getting those huge, huge games and what I did not like is what I saw from Detroit's game plan I talked about how bad Baltimore's game plan was Detroit's was just as bad in the second half you go away from the rush which has been which worked amazing for you in the first half I mean the they were doing whatever they wanted in the ground game in the first half um Montgomery uh, for the game, had 15 attempts for 93 yards. Gibbs, Jamar Gibbs, 12 attempts, 45 yards. And Williams, I mean, he only had one attempt, but he got 42 yards. So they were doing anything they wanted in the first half. And you have a huge lead. You don't want to go out and pass the ball. I mean, you want to keep the clock moving. If it's working, it's working. And it was working. You go out and you have Jared Goff go Throw the ball 41 times. He went 25 and 41, 273 yards, one touchdown, and only six yards per average. So, I mean, I don't like watching Jared Goff throw the football that much. Uh, when you're getting that many yards on the ground against a San Francisco team and keeping them off the field, where they only scored seven points in the first half with 131 total yards, why do you go away from that? Why would you go away from that? Uh, just... Coaching there on both these losing sides, just make your head scratch why. Why would you do this? Why would you abandon the run game? And you cannot, you have to take points when you can get them in the NFL against the number one overall team in a trip to the Super Bowl. You have to do it. Dan Campbell can say he can sleep well knowing that he gave it at all, but he'd be sleeping even better if you would have just kicked the field goal and had a chance uh, to maybe go for overtime or both times. So maybe even winning. Um, both teams six of twelve for, on third down. Uh, yeah, and like I said, the rushing the rushing game, they had twenty nine attempts and we're getting six point three yards per rush. That is really good against the uh, top three defense in the league. That is really really dang good. 6.3 yards per rush, and you go away from that in the second half. Uh, Christian McCaffrey on their end, 20 attempts for 90 yards, two touchdowns. Heck of a game from, I mean, Ayuk with one of the, I mean, one of the greatest catches I've ever seen, but even more added on because of the magnitude of what it did and helped propel them into going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Detroit, total yards, 442. San Francisco, 413, so outgamed them. Uh, by 29 yards, so I gained him, had a 17-point lead, blew it, 
lose 34-31. Detroit, like I said, one of three on fourth down. They even had 72 plays compared to San Francisco's 66 plays. So, I mean, Detroit should have won this game. Uh, Stats say it, and being up 17 points at halftime say it. Uh, You should have won this game. And it is going to haunt Detroit fans for forever. I, I think Detroit can be back, but, man, the gap, the window closes so fast in the NFL. And can you trust Jared Goff to get you there again? I don't know. I, I just don't know. Lions now have 12 straight playoff road game losses. 12 straight losses on the road in the playoffs for Detroit. It is a cursed franchise. Taylor Swift has now enjoyed more success in one year of being a fan than, I mean, not just most fans, but Lions fans have the entire existence of the franchise in the NFL. (laughs) Got to pick the right teams, man. Got to pick the right teams. I think Detroit fans should be able to just uh, choose a new one, choose a new team. I do like Dan Campbell, but I I definitely blame him and the OC for this loss. I, I do. I think they can be back, but get a little more help in the secondary. Um, uh, That got cooked in the second half, just cooked. Uh, 49ers, I mean, 49ers did what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be in the Super Bowl all season, and they did it. Brock Purdy, more than a game game manager, give him his props. I expect him to do good, biggest stage. I mean, he could have won the Super Bowl last year if he didn't get injured, so... Uh, it's two years in a row. Second year as a starter, uh, starting games that he, and he's going to the Super Bowl. Could have done it last year, too, in his first year, but no. Congrats to Brock Purdy. Proven a lot of haters wrong. Uh, Super Bowl, I'll be breaking that down next week, two weeks away right now. Uh, talk some Pro Bowl this upcoming week. So break that down and just get ready for the Super Bowl. I mean, I think I'm rooting for Usher in this one. <laughs> I think that's who America's rooting for, Usher. All right, let's go into On This Day in History. 1892, Coca-Cola Company is incorporated in Atlanta, Georgia. 1948, Gandhi is assassinated. In 1936, the first players elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame, including Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner, Walter Johnson, and Christy Mathewson. So those guys getting elected in the first ever Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. Happy birthday, Tom Selleck, Payne Stewart, FDR, and Oprah. Hopefully I can get a car from Oprah. That's On This Day in History, sponsored by Hefner Eye Care. Need new contacts, glasses, or sunglasses? Or just go schedule that new that eye exam you've been avoiding for the last year? Check them out, HefnerEyeCare.com. All right, now let's talk a little NBA. What a scoring week in the NF- in the NBA. I mean, I talked a little about MB dropping 70, Carl Anthony Towns dropping 63 or whatever, and then on the same night you had uh, Devin Booker dropping 60, but to be outshined once again, Luka Doncic. Outshining Devin Booker, getting 73 points, man. And an efficient, a very efficient 73 points. 73, 10, and 7. 
going 25 of 33 from the field, 8 of 13 from the three-point arc, and 5 of 16 from the free-throw line. So, I mean, this may have been the greatest, highest-scoring, most efficient game in history compared to Kobe's. I mean, uh, this was super efficient, and they got the win for the Mavs. I mean, close win. Uh, kept it close against the Hawks, but they got it done. And then can we just talk about how LeBron and Steph are still giving us minutes and games this late into their career, 39 and 35 years old? Can we talk about these two legends, man? What a game in Golden State. Double overtime. Uh, this was the 21st regular season meeting between LeBron and Steph. It had never gone into overtime. And we didn't just get one overtime. We got two overtimes. And the Lakers win 145-144. to 144. I was watching this game late in the fourth. And like, ah, oh, the uh, Warriors were up pretty big. Go, go out of the room for a little bit. Come back. Uh, game's still on. I'm like, why is this game still on? The Warriors were up so big. Overtime. Yeah, it went overtime. And then Lakers kind of got it up. And then Klay Thompson, it's a big three. Tie it. Uh to the end of the first overtime and then second overtime Lakers still kind of push it push it forward and then got some big st shots by Steph and Klay Thompson fouling out uh, D'Lo with the most roller coaster couple minutes I've ever seen from a player I mean three straight just two straight turnovers one should have been a turnover and then just going down and nailing a three-pointer to I think tie the game or take a one-point lead uh, just remarkable stuff. LeBron, LeBron James, man. 36, 20, and 12 with the game-winning free throws. This man is 39, and he's still balling, giving it all in five quarters of play. Man, I've seen enough. This man's the GOAT. I, I've seen enough. The incredible stuff from LeBron. And then Anthony Davis, 29 and 13, or 29 and 13. Uh, on the night, Steph 46, 3 and 7, Clay Thompson with 24, Wiggins with 22, and D'Angelo Russell with 28. What a game overall. These two teams do not disappoint when they play each other. Uh, they just get better as time goes on, LeBron and Steph. So that, that was a great Saturday night game. And then what should have been a great game Saturday uh, with or Friday was uh, what I just mentioned, these two guys giving it their all and giving it to the fans. Embiid decides not to play in Denver 15 minutes before the game. Uh, missing person, where is Embiid? What a joke. What a, he is, what, a, what a chicken for just ducking the Nuggets in Denver. Embiid has not played a game in Denver since 2019. He'll play the game in Philadelphia, he'll get his win, and then decides to call it quits whenever he has to travel to Denver. What a joke. Uh, should have been a great game and be just dodging Jokic in Denver. Uh, I mean, I, I just don't understand. Why, why will this guy not play? I mean, there are retired players who have played more in Denver since 2019 than Embiid. Manu Ginobili's played more games in Denver since 2019 than Embiid. So pretty pretty sad stuff what we witnessed Embiid doing this weekend. And Twitter, Twitter let him know. Uh, Embiid also missed Monday night. So now if he misses five more games, he's not eligible to win the MVP. Five more games, Embiid cannot win MVP. 
Uh, some other headlines. The Pistons get their sixth win of the season. They beat the number one seeded Oklahoma City Thunder in the West. Man, the Thunder are lucky. The NFL Conference Championship games were going on because they would have been roasted to uh, high heaven if nothing else important was going on. So that was that was something. And then we got Denver. Uh, looks like they're going to beat Milwaukee. Cleveland getting a big win over the Clippers. Boston, good win over the Pelicans. The Lakers losing to the Rockets, bad loss there. And then Minnesota beating Oklahoma City. So that's a battle between one and two in the West. Another tough loss for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then some other games. Uh, let's see here. Dallas, Minnesota. Denver, Oklahoma City, Wednesday night. Give me give me Minnesota in that one. And give me Denver on the road in Oklahoma City. And then Thursday, oh, we got Lakers, Boston, Philadelphia, Utah. Ooh, those would be some great games in the NBA. So looking forward to the, some great weekend in the NBA action. All right, let's go to the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Justin Rose is defending. I mean, we're only a couple couple tournaments into the season but really some strange names we haven't seen I, I said this a few weeks ago i said we are going to see some names we have not seen uh, climb these leaderboards in these golf tournaments and i mean we're seeing it uh, last weekend at the farmer's insurance tony finau and xander shoffley were the only well-known names in the top 10 you had hideki max homa zalatoris all tied at 13 Shane Lowry, top 25. I mean, Mark Hubbard, top 20. These are these are the only names people really... Uh, Adam Shank, but these are really the only names people know inside the top 25 this past week. Now, um, some of these other guys, I mean, really. Patrick Canley, tied for 56. The Gala, tied for 64th. Francisco, 73rd. Um, Cameron Champ missed the, didn't make the cut. Really crazy weekend. Gary Woodland missed the cut. Colin Morikawa missed the cut. So, I don't know what to expect this week at Pebble Beach. I mean, always love Pebble Beach. I mean, that's a dream place to play, obviously. And it's going to be fun golf to watch. I mean... Pebble Beach is always great to watch. You got all the big names coming. Cantley, Wyndham Clark, Cam Davis, Corey Connors, Jason Day, Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Lucas Glover had a great year last year, end of the year last year. Brian Harmon, Max Homa, Hovland, Mark Hubbard, Sanjay M, Matt Kuchar, Kirk Rory, McElroy's in this one. So, Colin Morikawa's back. It's going to be a great weekend Xander, Justin Rose, Scotty Scheffler, Adam Scott, Webb Simpson, Jordan Spieth. So this week is going to be great for golf. And I'll be tuned in Pebble Beach starting on Thursday. Always one of the more fun tournaments to watch. And I, I think Scotty does good. See how uh, Mark Carr and some of these other guys uh, bounce back. I, I really like Roy McIlroy. I'd definitely take him in a top 10 finish for sure. And then Justin Rose, I mean, defending champ usually has great success 
back at the tournament. They won that previous year, so definitely like him, those two in the top 10, and maybe some Xander after a bad week last week. So uh, let me know your picks on the AT&T Pebble Beach upcoming this weekend. All right, let's move to the final segment. Who I'm sharing my burger and brought with. Well, I mean... We got some we got some top headlines that showcase the world's progress in the climate fight. So, kind of anxious about where we're going in climate change, how it's impacting the earth, but definitely the world has made some head some great positive moves for the future of saving humanity's uh, saving humanity's attempt to not go over the 1.5 degrees Celsius mark. And I mean it. This this is huge. Uh, solar investment has just shined in the last uh, few years. Um, a thirty percent rise year over year in the installation of new solar energy, with eighty seven point one gigawatts bought online in twenty twenty two. And I mean, a bunch of these places will install these solar panels on your house for, I mean, really cheap, if not free, just to just to get you saving the earth. And then renewables, they might beat out global warming because at the climate uh, accord agreement last year, 200 countries signed an agreement to triple the global renewable energy capacity to 11,000 gigawatts by 2023. And, I mean, a report from the IEA found that such an increase is around where humanity needs to be to prevent a 1.5 degree Celsius warming by 2030. So... All these superpowers, superpowers coming in and agreeing to it, and looks like that's right at the mark we need. And then number three, uh, the USA coal use plummets. Um, so the IEA expects that now the EU, in particular, European European Union, uh, in particular, but the world more broadly, has settled into the new energy market conditions. Coal use worldwide has fallen another 20% in 2023. When the true numbers finally come in, though, offset by a rise in China of about 5%. So by 2026, though, predictions are that China, too, will begin to phase out coal. And then finally, electrical vehicle use grows exponentially. In the U.S., adoption, sales, and R&D of electric vehicles continue to increase with over 1.4 million EVs being sold in the country last year. The trend could continue strongly because since 2023, they saw a significant fall in the cost of battery prices amounting to 40% year over year. So this is a main factor into why people would buy EVs as well with low cost i mean that's all we want low cost and saving the earth all right everyone uh that is the podcast uh let me know what you guys thought of the conference championship game recap just bad football overall by the losing teams i think Uh, just head scratching really head scratching is what i would call it so any thoughts but we are getting kansas city and the san francisco 49ers back in the world series and the last time this happened a world pandemic happened one month later. So we can't wait to see what's in store for the next, I mean, whatever happens after this game. Hopefully it's not as bad as that. But who knows? America doesn't want this game, so could be. San Francisco opened up as a four-point favorite, but uh, lines kind of came down to about one and a half, two. So uh, game in two weeks. We'll be breaking that down and more. 
Thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow the podcast on any platform, any streaming service, anywhere. Get your podcast at Burgers and Brats and stay up to date with Liz, who's on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Burgers and Brats. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Stay safe.